tools for living, room to grow, a space of grace to become everything God wants us to be. You're listening to The Living Room Podcast with Joanna Weaver, episode 31. So, how are you doing, my friend? I know life's been so crazy this past month, and I've been praying that God's peace would just calm your heart and settle any fears that you might have. I know that there's a lot of uncertainty right now, and you might find yourself currently without a job or really confused as to what God might have you do next. And I know you're going to learn a lot from my guest today. Jennifer Allwood has written a very timely book with a very timely message, especially as we navigate the unknown in spring 2020. Well, you guys, I have been waiting for this interview for quite a while. I discovered Jennifer Allwood um, probably about four, maybe four or five months ago, and she's become a dear friend, even though we've never met. Jennifer has a wonderful podcast that I have listened to, and she has a new book out called Fear Is Not the Boss of You, How to Get Out of Your Head and Live the Life You Were Made For. Welcome to the living room, Jennifer. Oh, Joanna, thank you so much for having me here. I'm super excited. I can't even tell you how fun it is to hear your voice on the other side of my earbuds and know it's actually you. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, that makes me, and it makes me feel really good. I'm going to, my voice sounds a little bit scratchy. I normally don't sound like a teenage boy, but I just was super excited about the interview. So even though my voice sounds crazy, I just, I was anxious to get here today. Yeah. Uh, Thank you. Thank you. Well, I I love your new book. Just um, in fact, I was telling you before we came on, um, as I began to read it, it just began to minister to me and I actually started crying because uh, you your first your first chapter is Are You Stuck? And oh my goodness, girl, I am feeling so stuck. Writing a new book, um, missed my deadline, still not half really, maybe halfway through, have so much to do. And I feel so stuck. And I can't help but think that there's some women out there that are feeling the same way. Can you just talk about what inspired the book? Yeah, well, and let me just encourage you right out of the gate here, because um, the book you know, I, I went the route of traditional publishing. So I had um, several different um, book, I'm, I'm still unfamiliar with all the book terms, but several different publishing companies that, you know, gave me a book offer and we decided on which one to go with. And that all was kind of a process. And then when we really started like talking and fleshing out the ideas for the book, and we were looking at the calendar, we knew that the book either needed to come out before the election um, or after the election, because during the election period, it's very difficult just to get the attention of people, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. because there's so much on the internet that's related to politics. And it's all so usually not the happiest, you know, go luckiest time on the planet. And so the book either needed to come out this spring or we we're going to have to wait a whole year. Well, I really felt like God had impressed upon me. No, this is a book for right now. This is a book needed now, which meant that, um, you know, I said, I really want it to come out in spring of 2020 and it's coming out April 7th. And, um, but then that meant that I didn't have a ton of time to write it, which was fine. I've been blogging for 12 years. I, I have a huge social media following where I do a, a lot of my posts on Facebook or Instagram, but they're kind of blog style, you know, so they have a lot of words. And I thought, okay, I'm a good writer, Joanna, like it, it won't be that hard. <laughs> and it really like we fleshed out the idea and then I started to write and um, I had about six weeks from the day I started to the to my deadline and I got to 40,000 words out of my 65,000 word contract and I threw it away 
And I was like, this is junk. I hate it. And then, so I wrote, I started version two and I got to like 25,000 words. Same thing. I was like, "I, I can't stand it. It's awful. Did it a third time. And the fourth time I started was six days to go. And oh. it's probably not, um, I know my publisher's like, you might not want to tell everybody you wrote it in six days. Girl, when I finally figured it out in my mind, when God finally got it situated to like the angle the book was going to come from and what I was really going to write. And by the way, when I got enough of him in it, that book poured out of me like hot lava. Mm. But the struggle, the reason I was stuck and threw away three copies of it is because I was trying to write a book that I thought would appeal to the masses. And that wouldn't be overly offensive. And I feel like when I finally wrote the book that God asked me to, that there was just no stopping it. Does that make sense? Oh, I love that. I love that. You know, I think that's the thing that I appreciate most about you is that even though you're kind of a business guru and uh, the Jennifer Allwood has a lot of what show has a lot of business advice that is so good. And you're, you're an expert on the online um, social media world but you bring Jesus into everything you do. And I was telling you uh, earlier, your boldness has awakened a boldness in me. Mm. And so thank you. Thank you for not just holding back and doing what you thought would be um, for the market, but really waiting and finding out what God wanted to say. Thank you. Well, when I was, you know, working through, I don't remember which version, first, second, or third, but I heard the Holy Spirit say, don't you dare sacrifice truth in this book at the altar of book sales. Hmm. And I was like, okay, you're right. You're absolutely right. And I kept trying to kind of like, you know, soften the delivery and dance around different topics. And, um, and so I, when I finally, I feel like it just finally clicked when I really wrote the book that both I wanted to write and that God wanted me to write, if that makes sense. Yes. And so I know your first question was what inspired you to write the book. And when we were really talking about, okay, what could I write a book about? Well, um, I have a huge social media following with over half a million, you know, social media people. So I could write a book about, you know, how to get a bunch, how to get popular, how to get Facebook famous. I could do that. <laughs> That's what my kids call me. And then I was like, okay, that doesn't feel right. Well, I coach over 2000 women in business every month. So I could definitely write a business book. And I'm like, yeah, but I feel like I've got something more like, for women that even aren't in business. And so we kept trying to kind of drill down. Does that make sense? And just Mm -hmm. really fleshing out, what is it that I could talk about all day? What do I feel so passionate about? And what am I good at? And I really feel like at the end of the day, um, yes, I'm good at business and I inspire women in business and I teach them in business. But the only reason that I'm able to do that is because I've had to go and conquer a lot of my own, you know, personal demons, if you want to call it that, in terms of um, just being somebody that has experienced a lot of fear and a lot of like what ifs and a lot of um, imposter syndrome and a lot of, um, you know, just being who I thought everybody else wanted me to be instead of who God was calling me to be. And so when we really sat down and fleshed out, what is the book that you want to write? And what do you think that the women that you, you know, this half a million people you have, what do they need most? I just kept going back to the topic of fear and being stuck. And most of the women that I coach and most of the women who aren't in business who show up in my DMs on social media, they're either completely stuck, absolutely overwhelmed, or they're paralyzed with fear. Mm -hmm. Those are the three things, woman after woman after woman is showing up in my DMs about. So I wrote a book on, and the first three chapters are on um, asking you if you're stuck, if you're overwhelmed, or if you're scared. And what's interesting is I've had a lot of people come to me already, Joanna, and just telling me, you know, I didn't think that I was someone that experienced a lot of fear until I read chapter three. And now I'm over here bawling my eyes out. And I'm like, well, thank you, Lord, for 
<laughs> for being in those pages. So that, yeah. that was a really long answer to your very short question. No, I love it. I love it. Hey, I know there are some girls listening that aren't familiar with your story and you didn't start out as a business coach. Can you kind of tell us what brought you to that internet famous plan, kind of give you a new platform? Yeah, sure. I'll just give you the two second or two minute version here. But um, so I graduated high school when I was young. I was 17 and went away to college, um, dropped out of college my first year because I just, um, that's kind of when I walked away from the Lord for a good 12 years, just kind of forgot about my faith and lived life like a wild woman. And, um, but then eventually in my middle twenties, I wanted to go back to college. And I remember sitting in the office of the woman who, um, you know, helps you like guide you in what you're supposed to pick for a major. And I remember like trying to decide, do I want to go into interior design or do I want to go into business? And I actually had, or not business, I'm sorry, computers, um, which are used in business, but I actually was fascinated with homes. I was obsessed with HGTV. I had bought my first house as a single woman at age 21, you know, and most people are still out doing, you know, drinks at the bar, right. trying to scrape up the money for taxes every year. And so um, I had learned how to decorate our, uh, the house very beautifully, but like on a, a budget of nothing. I mean, I had to DIY everything and that included staining my own hardwood floors and figuring out how to crackle walls. And so I found that I was like fascinated with painting and decorating. And I really wanted to go into that, but I just was scared because I didn't think I could make any money on that degree. So I chose computers. I hated every second of it. I wanted to start a painting job um, or company. I was terrified to do that because good girls don't quit a job where they have, you know, PDOs and they have um, a match on their 401k and they have two weeks vacation. And I talk in fear is not the boss of you, about how I was an SRP, which is what I call a super responsible person. And um, I'm curious if you know if that is you, Joanna, because if you're an SRP, like you already know you are. And um, so is that you? Yeah. I always say that I am a perfectionist, but a frustrated perfectionist with the motivational gift of laziness. <laughs> so I, I know what I want to be. And I have to say I've grown a lot. And I I think I probably am much more, at least in my head, I so, so want to be a super responsible person. Well, I, I, it's not always a good thing. So I've been a super responsible person all my life, which means we do what needs to be done without ever really asking ourselves questions on why we're doing it, or even if we want to do it. And so I talk in the book about how I had a business coach ask me once, Jennifer, what is it that you want? And that's even something that um, God asks in the Bible. And when she asked me that, I started to just sob because the truth was nobody had ever asked me that. And I didn't, mm. I didn't know what I wanted. Oh, and cue the dogs. <laughs> So I had a business coach who asked me, Jennifer, what is it that you want? And I just literally, I sobbed because I, I didn't know I had started this baby painting business because God saw to it that I got laid off from my computer job. And, but I didn't really know what I wanted. I hadn't ever really thought about that. I just was so used to doing kind of what everybody else expected out of me. And super responsible people usually do that. And so um, that was the beginning of a journey for me on, okay, what is it that really that I want? And I really wanted to encourage and motivate women. And I felt like I was really gifted in the area of business. So, um, so that kind of started me coaching. And, you know, I can remember the first time somebody asked me to coach them, though, I was like terrified. I'm like, I don't know what language you're speaking. Like, what are you saying? You want me to coach you? And she had, you know, been to my Facebook page and saw that I had 100,000 or 200,000 followers, whatever I had at the time. And she was like, can you teach me how to do that? 
And I'm like, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess that I could. And that, you know, I was just kind of putting one foot in front of the other and saying yes to the next right thing and the next right thing that God put in front of me. But I did it scared because I thought, I don't really know what I'm talking about. I can just teach you what I've personally done in my personal experience. And that ended up just being um, such a gift to me and my family. So now I coach over 2000 women every month in a paid group. It's a $47 a month group where um, teaching them how to use the internet to get more followers and then how to make money from the followers. And so um, I have just, I think that I've struggled with fear all of my life. And sometimes it's, you know, fear of what to do next. Other times it's fear of what people will think of me. And um, people pleasing has really been an issue for me. And I think that it comes into play with a lot of women that I coach and mentor. And so that's kind of, you know, where the whole thing started right there. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, you have such an amazing story. I, and I love that you just kind of let it unfold throughout the book. You know, part of the thing I think that's so amazing is that early desire to decorate houses yeah. actually turned into a career and you were on HGTV with Chip and Joanna. Is that right? Well, uh, no, I was not. So Chip and Joanna were actually speaking in Kansas City. Um, I was on Extreme Home Makeover Home Edition with like the Bennington crew. We were on that three times. We did three houses for them. But um, Chip and Joanna were speaking in Kansas City where I live. They were speaking at the home show and the home show asked if I would speak. And so I joked that I was like a Chip and Joanna sandwich, like Chip and Joanne spoke and then I spoke. And um, and so that was amazing. And then I, I we did that for two different years and I was able to like interview Joanna. This was before they they were just starting to really blow up. Um, but I was able to interview her on Periscope and most people don't even know what that is because it was very short lived before Facebook live was a thing. But yeah. So when I spoke up on stage in front of 2000 people who I knew darn good and well, were all there just to see Chip and Joanna. Oh, I was terrified. I just was absolutely terrified. And so, um, you know, I think a lot of women think that fear is a sign that they shouldn't do something. And I think usually fear is a sign that we should. Hmm. And, uh, most of the things that we're actually scared of, like God gave us the feelings of fear to, to keep us alive, right? So if I stand on the edge of a cliff, I know my husband took me <clears> um, – my husband took me on a hiking trip in October for our 22nd wedding anniversary. We went to Bar Harbor, Maine. He calls it Bahaba. And so if you're from <laughs> that area, that's how you'd say it, Bahaba. So we went to Bar Harbor and we um and we climbed like the hugest mountain there. And, and there were just, you know, these cliffs and it was terrifying at times, but God gave us that feeling of fear, you know, so that we would not fall off. So we would back up from the edge of things or if we're staring into the face of a lion so that we would be scared and, and we would run. But the most of the things, the fears that we actually struggle with today in the year 2020, they're crazy things like going back to college as a middle-aged adult. They're starting the adoption process. That's starting a business. We're, you know, terrified and stuck and paralyzed with fear about over sending an email that we know we need to, or making a phone call that we know we need to. And those are not logical fears. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. And so I think that God gives us fear to keep us safe, but most of the time our brain can't differentiate between what is a logical fear and what is an illogical fear. And so I really try to, in the, in fear is not the boss of you, to really like get to the root of like, what is it actually you're scared of and how, what made you scared of that? Like, how did it even get there? Is it even logical? And if not, then what are you going to do about it? Yeah. Yeah. I will, I really love you differentiate confidence. You know, we were hearing so much like, you know, you just need to be confident. You just need to go get that thing. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about that a little bit? Mm. Okay. So you're going to get my blood pressure all raised right now. <laughs> no, because the, the thing is confidence sells 
It really does. Like at the end of the day, my book, Fear is Not the Boss of You, is a book about obedience. And unfortunately, confidence sells and obedience doesn't. Because um, there's people that have books on confidence. They have courses on confidence. They give lectures on confidence. Like everybody wants to feel confident, but nobody really seems to grasp the fact that you have to start off probably not being confident and probably not being good at a thing, but you just need courage for starting. And confidence may or may not come later on. Like we have a brand new five-year-old um, we are in the process of adopting Ari. We had three biological children and then got a surprise of a lifetime with a little girl that needed a family. And um, and so we took Ari to kindergarten roundup in August. And, you know, she's never been in school. She doesn't know any of these kids. She's not um, ever had a backpack or been away from us in the last, you know, we had her a year at that point. So for me to look at little Ari and be like, girl, be confident. I mean, how can I possibly, as a good mother, as a good parent, expect her to be confident about something she's never done before? Right. Confidence comes several days later, a couple weeks later, she felt confident walking to school because she'd done it a couple times and realized, hey, this was actually fun. It wasn't that bad. I'm actually you know, enjoying this. And so people are trying to wait until they feel confident to do something, not understanding that the confidence comes after you do it. And then you have evidence to yourself, oh my goodness, I didn't die. And that's where confidence comes from. It comes from doing it over and sometimes over and over again. Yeah. It really starts with courage. It starts because with courage, 100%. Yeah. And I love that about God because he already knows that about us. Mm -hmm. And so he's, you know, the commandments don't, you, in the word of God, it doesn't say thou shalt be confident. It says, right. don't be discouraged. Be of good cheer. Don't be terrified. I'm with you. Yeah. And so many people are waiting until they feel confident in themselves. But in the book, I talk about, you know what? You be confident in the one who created you. Like yeah. that's the confidence you need to have. And um, And I talk about kind of my experience with, this whole confidence thing, it started when I was 39 and decided to do a triathlon. And it was the wildest thing because I was not, you know, a triathlete. Um, I was not even in great shape, but I went and watched a triathlon with a friend of mine. And it's one that's in Kansas City every year called Win for KC. And there's like 800 women who jump into a lake and then they bike and then they run. And I just went to hang out with my girlfriend and not realizing it was like a holy setup from God. I love it when he does that in retrospect. Yeah. You, and the thing is, you never know when you're being like set up. And and it always happens on just like a normal Saturday morning. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we're all waiting for this big, huge miracle. And most miracles happen just on an average morning. And so so I went with a friend of mine to watch this triathlon because she knew a girl who's going to be um, running in it or racing in it. And there was a woman who was last in the line of 800 women to jump in the lake and swim 500 meters. And she was probably in her 70s. And um, she obviously wasn't in phenomenal shape. She she swam the entire thing like with a with goggles or I'm sorry, not goggles. Um, what's the thing that sticks? This is menopause showing. The snorkel. Right the snorkel. Snorkel. Yeah, she did the whole thing with a snorkel, and nobody else had a snorkel. <laughs> and I just remember we all cheered like crazy when she jumped in, and she waited until she could not touch anymore, and she finally started swimming. And clearly, she wasn't a fast swimmer, and you know she was the last one out of the water. And we were all cheering so loud for her when she got out. It makes me want to cry just remembering it, because I remember getting all teary watching her, and I was trying to decide, okay, why. Why am I getting all emotional about this stranger? And I think it was because she was in her 70s and she was doing something that obviously required a lot of courage. And I was a 39-year-old woman, very healthy, that I didn't have the guts to do. And so God planted a seed that day, like, what would happen if you did this exact race for your 40th birthday? Because it was on my birthday weekend. And so I went ahead and like explored that thought until I remembered, oh yeah, I can't swim. 
<laughs> I don't know how to be underwater without plugging my nose. And so I ended up signing up for the triathlon and hiring a swim coach and taking an entire year to learn how to swim. Wow. And you want to talk about like fear is not the boss of you. I mean, I literally, I couldn't even get in my shower as a grown up without like kind of snorting water. It just, I come from a very long line of sinkers and not swimmers is what I've always said. <laughs> so after a year, I did my first triathlon. And um, I had a panic attack in the water. I had to stop and like sit with a lifeguard until I got, you know, my wits about me. And because I wasn't confident, I wasn't confident about swimming. I wasn't anything, but I just had the courage to sign up because I knew God was like poking me in the back and I couldn't figure out why. And I finished that triathlon and I was a different woman than the woman who started. Mm. And I was different just because I realized, gosh, I can do hard things. And that did not kill me. I was uncomfortable, wow. heck, but I am still alive. And I ended up signing up for another and another. And at this point, I've done 10. And so what's interesting though, is I talk in the book about how, you know, I think that our goal needs to be courage. I think that's what we need to model for our children or for the kids that are in our world. If you're not a mom, but you have nieces and nephews or neighbors or what have you. And, um, and what's interesting is I talk about how, you know, through the act of doing something over and over and over, hopefully you get more confidence. But sometimes you might not. Even though I've done 10 triathlons since, you know, my 40th birthday, I've had a panic attack in every single one. Mm. And I think that that's interesting because I think people think, well, if it feels bad, it must be bad. No, not necessarily. Yeah. I think sometimes God just keeps asking us to show up and to show up and to show up. And we may never get confident at that thing. But if God's asking us to do it, I think it's so important that we lean into that. Well, I think it's on the other side, and you say this quite often, on the other side of our obedience is all the good stuff that God has for us. And, uh, you know, I have to say that's probably my biggest challenge right now in writing. I think I just resent that it's not easy, and I really don't want things to be hard. What, What have you found in that area? Well, um, and you and I were talking beforehand. I mean, the Bible says to whom much is given, much will be required. <laughs> and so, I mean, God never said it's going to be easy. He And he actually, and I say this in the book, he didn't even say it would be worth it. But he mm. didn't do it. And I use a really good example in the book. Um, we've got, you know, we've got that kindergartner. And then we have a 12-year-old, a 16-year-old. And we have a senior in high school. We're getting ready to launch into college. But a while back, um, his name's Noah. I asked our oldest, who's 18 now, I said, Noah, will you mop the dining room floor for me? And he kind of looked at me like I was crazy. And I'm, I'm like, will you mop the floor? And he's like, I've never mopped before. And first of all, I'm like, okay, I have failed you as a mother. <laughs> Clearly, <laughs> that you don't know how to mop the floor. But in his own defense, he has done his own laundry since he was 12 years old. All my kids have. But so anyway, but he's never actually mopped the floor. And I'm like, well, you just go get the mop. I'm like, you can YouTube it or something. I mean, you can YouTube everything else in your life, you know, or Snapchat it or whatever. Like, you'll figure it out, like figure it out. But he was really giving me some pushback. And he was like, mom, I don't know how to mop. And I'm like, Noah, just do it. You know, and so then it got to be more about the obedience of him just doing what I asked him to do. Like I was still hoping maybe the floor would look halfway decent. But eventually I just got to where I just wanted him to say yes, because I'm your mother. And I expect you to do something when I ask you to do it. And the fact that I was having to argue and negotiate with him, like we had other, you know, we have other family members and we're all waiting to go do something that day or whatever, but time and energy is being sucked up about my negotiating with Noah. And it's interesting how God often teaches me lessons through my children, because when I got done with that conversation or argument or whatever you want to call it with my son, I thought, this is how God sometimes feels about me. And this is how he sometimes feels about 
all of his children, like, can you not just mop the floor? <laughs> Whatever mopping the floor is for you, can you not just start the course? Can you not just apply for the new job? Can you not just send that email I asked you to do? Like you say, you don't know how, but I mean, figure it out. Like, I think we forget God will bring things, people, resources alongside of us, YouTube, in Noah's case, to help us figure things out. It's not like he's going to ask you, Joanna, to do something and then just leave you to like flail about. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. He's going to ask you um, to write the book and then give you zero resources. He's not a jerk. And I think we forget that. And so, but at the end of the day, he wants our obedience. And so Noah not knowing how to do it, that's not a good enough reason. So when like God asked me, you know, to do a conference for the first time last year, and God and I argued and wrestled around about this because I didn't want to. I've never hosted a conference. It sounds like a lot of work. Um, and, and I, you know, really prefer to have a job where there's not a lot of work. And, um, <laughs> I do, honestly. I mean, I've built my whole career on not having to work a ton. I, and that's one of the reasons why I'm so popular as a business coach, because I believe in working smarter and not harder. And so, you know, a conference felt like a really big deal with a whole lot of pressure and stress. And I didn't want to do it. But at the end of the day, like he's God. And so, you know, the Bible says to whom much is given much will be required. And I think sometimes what's required of us is is to really get stretched and to do things outside of our comfort zone and to do things that are hard. Yeah. Well, I I really think we've so Americanized Christianity that we really think that if it's God's will, it's going to be easy. Yeah. It'll just flow. And yet you look at scripture and that isn't that's not how God works. He calls us to that endurance and perseverance and pressing on. Yeah. So we think way too much about our feelings. Yeah. I mean, we really do because we think if it doesn't feel right, it must be wrong. Well, not necessarily. It doesn't feel right for me to eat completely sugar-free right now. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like <laughs> right. what I feel like doing is eating raw chocolate chip cookie dough by the spoonfuls out of my refrigerator. So, but I'm thinking to myself, well, it must, you know what I mean? If like we went by our feelings, I would be 500 pounds, like literally, and just, just, I would have diabetes through the wazoo because my feelings want me just to eat sugar nonstop all the time. But we can't pay that much attention to our feelings because if we do, if we put our feelings over obedience, we're going to lose every time. I agree. I agree. And it kind of brings us back to this whole idea of your subtitle that says how to get out of your head and live the life you were made for. And so that lie that, well, it needs to be easy, or I couldn't possibly do that. That's way too hard. Or just the fear that, what do you think that fear is that keeps us locked up in our head and keeps us from living the life God wants? Yeah. And I talk about fear so much in the book. Obviously, the title is Fear is Not the Boss of You. But I think for each of us, fear looks very different. So some of us are so scared of being successful. And mm -hmm. I coach enough women that I can tell you there is as many women scared of success as are scared of failure. And when I started business coaching five years ago, I, I didn't know that. Like that was kind of shocking to me because that, that's not a fear that I struggle with. I struggled with the fear of what if I fail, but so many women struggle with what if I succeed? Because then you've got to like, then you've got to perform or produce, and then you've got to keep it up. And then what if you lose it all? So I think, you know, on one hand, we've got fear of success. I think on the other hand, we've got fear of failure. What if I, you know, what if I do in vitro and I fail again? What if I write this book and nobody buys it? What if I do start this business and I don't get any clients? What if I do apply for that job and I don't get it? So I think we're afraid of failure. We're afraid of success. And I think we're afraid of what other people will think. And I think yeah. it's more than just what other people will think, but how other people will treat us because of what they think. And that is such a huge thing, especially for anybody that struggles with people pleasing. 
Yeah, for sure. You mentioned just in passing the imposter syndrome. And I've heard that term. I've had heard this that term for years and years. And I've always thought, yeah, I can see how that would work. But I didn't realize that I think in my writing, I I do struggle with the imposter syndrome. Can you kind of unpack that a little bit? Absolutely. Well, I mean, it's easy. Okay. So you have a podcast and I have a podcast <laughs> and um, I can remember I started my podcast three years ago and I can remember looking at everybody else who was already kicking butt at podcasting thinking, oh gosh, like how am I ever going to measure up to this? And, you know, we started it and I was like, it was like trudging through the snow with all of my kids on my back. <laughs> with, like, <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, the, the, the amount of growth on this podcast is just about killing me. Like it's so slow. And me looking at all these other people with a million downloads a month and me thinking, what am I doing wrong? Like, you know, comparing myself to them. And then finally, um, just in the last six months, like our podcast has hit like top 10 in entrepreneurship or something crazy like that. Um, and I, and I've been like, oh my goodness. But it's interesting. Like when you do start to see some success, sometimes, so sometimes the imposter syndrome is comparing yourself to other people. And other times it's, you've got a little bit of success, but your fear is, okay, if everybody starts listening, like what if they all find out it's really not that good and then they stop? Like you feel Mm. like you've gotten to where you are, but there isn't, like you don't have the sustenance. Is that the word? Substance or sustenance? Is there a B in that, Joanna? (laughs) I think (laughs) the the substance maybe to sustain it. (laughs) Yes. What if people figure out you don't know how to say and spell words? (laughs) (laughs) And so then there's that, like, you know, launching my book has been super scary because it's one thing to write it, but then it's like this whole nother thing to be like, oh my gosh, like, what if it's not as good as what I thought it was? What if it's not as good as so-and-so? What if I never get it into a target? Like, what if everybody reads it and now they hate me? So impossible syndrome, I think, because I think sometimes people don't know what that really means. And I think it basically means like you feel like a fraud. Like mm-hmm. you're you're lumped into this group of people. The other day I got lumped in with like Marie Forleo, if you know who that is, mm-hmm. um, at a business summit. And I thought, how am I even here with like, you know, six or eight women, one of them being like Marie Forleo. Like if you don't know who that is, she's one of the biggest women in my space making just a bajillion dollars a year at business coaching. And I thought there, I, I like, I don't even belong here at this table, if that makes sense. That's what imposter syndrome does. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, and I think sometimes too, like for me, I never, I never even thought about writing. So like I had a heart to speak to women, but writing was never on my radar until God brought it and said, this is, and made it super, super clear. That's what he had for me. And so I've walked in obedience and he's been faithful to help me write all these, you know, like only, only about four books compared to other people. But I think I still don't consider myself a writer. And I, I, I'd like to ask you about that because I think sometimes we're living in this culture that makes titles so important. And how do we navigate that where we fully embrace God's call and his purposes, and yet we don't get so tied up in knots about the results of that or the lack of results of that? How have you navigated those Mm -hmm. sort of things? That's an interesting question. I know when I used to own my painting company, there would be people that would call me an artist. And I always freaked out over that title. I'm like, no, I'm a painter. I'm not an artist. And um, and it's interesting because artist feels like more professional. It feels like more artistic. Yeah, an artist, it sounds artistic, but you know what I mean? It, like, it sounds 
I don't know, more advanced. And I felt more comfortable dumbing my title down to painter. Mm -hmm. And I think so many of us are more comfortable dumbing our titles down. Like most of us are great with the title of wife. We're okay with the title of mom and sister and friend. But then when it comes to the titles that have any success tied to them, like for you, you're you're saying you wrote four books already Mm -hmm. and you still don't consider yourself an author. Well, I know I'm an author. I think the thing is, is I don't think of myself as a writer because writing is the hardest thing I do. Gotcha. And I've, and it's interesting because this is the first book I've wrote and I completely consider myself a writer. Isn't that wild? How so completely like opposite. And, um, and so I think that part of that is just knowing who God says that you are and that Mm -hmm. you're not defined by titles, by the way. Um, but also it's interesting. I coach so many creative women and creative women really hate to be put in a box with a title. And so Uh, it's almost like titles make them kind of like want to, you know, start bucking elbows because it makes them feel really uncomfortable because it makes them feel like either they have to do that thing or that's what's expected of them or they're only that. And that's why so many of my creative friends will be like, no, 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 no. I'm more than just a you know what I mean? Right. And, um, so I think titles are just that. It's interesting though, because sometimes we like don't want the titles, but I also think there's plenty of times when we do. Yeah, exactly. Because having a title makes us understand what group we fit into. I talk in Fear is Not the Boss of You about <clears throat> how I've often felt like I never really fit in. So one of the challenges in writing this book was who are we writing it for? And like, who are my people? Because um, I'm not like, am I a business person? I'm a hundred percent a business person, but like, I don't always like, it's different than, you know, I feel different than a lot of the people in my space because I use faith a ton in my business coaching. I pray over my clients. Like literally I was on a call today and a woman was asking for advice on something. I'm like, you know what? I just think we need to ask the Lord about that because I don't feel like that's my place to answer. And I think you need to ask him and can Mm. I pray for you? Now that's really different than what most business coaches do. So that makes me kind of outside of the normal business coach box. So then I look at like bloggers and I'm like, okay, um, there's all these Christian bloggers out there. Am I that? I really am not. I don't feel like I am. I've blogged for 12 years, but I don't fit into that box with them. And then I look over here to like preachers and I'm like, but I'm not a preacher either because I have zero background on this. And yet I'm delivering the word of God often through prophetic words and through prayers on lives and things. So I'm like, so in my head, my struggle sometimes, Joanna, is where do I fit, Lord? Where Uh, do I fit? Like, I want to be in a box. And yet God's like, honey, we're making your own box. (laughs) You're going to start your own box over here. And so I think it's interesting that sometimes we don't want labels and other times we want them so badly just to know, like, where do I fit in? Because otherwise it feels lonely. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's so good, isn't it? And I think, I think we're each going to have those struggles to figure out what that looks like. Cause I know in my early years, I longed for success so, so much, you know, it was like, I just wanted to do something significant for Jesus. And in his wisdom, he did not give it to me. <laughs> he just did not. And so I think in trying to lay that down and really just say, God, and find my value in being his daughter, his his beloved, rather than in performing or achieving some sort of a goal. I think that in, that in some ways I've almost swung to the other extreme where I don't want to accept a title because I don't want to walk. And sometimes, you know, that it's that weird middle ground of how do we walk in God confidence and yet humility? And I, I guess I've, I've really, 
I sense in my heart that God is helping you navigate that. And I, there's women out there that, that are maybe feeling that pressure as well, where God's opening doors, um, and, and they want to walk it correctly. Then there's some girls out there that are just so hungry to do something significant and have their lives matter that it almost becomes an idolatry. And so how do we walk that out where we're like, God, I'm so available to you, but, um, I'm going to let you define that. And yet I want to be bold to step out. Yeah. So I think that is such a great question. And that's such a great answer too. Like, I think it comes down to, um, God, how do you want to use me? So I remember when I was 16 and I gave my life to the Lord and and I got saved and I had been raised in a Catholic church and, um, my family didn't go to church, but I went to like CCD classes and would baptize, uh, words are hard, was baptized Catholic. Um, and I remember the first time my best friend asked me to church when I was 16. And um, and I went with her and got saved, got filled with the Holy Spirit at the same time. It was a radical salvation. And it was interesting because um, even though I fell away from the Lord for a good 12 years after that, I still knew that when I gave my life to Christ, I knew that I basically, and I probably didn't have words for this until I was later, but I kind of gave up the right to have a lot of say about my life. Yes, 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 yes. Sorry. Really excited about that. Mm-hmm. That's okay. And I talk about this and fear is not the boss of you. And I think that that's a hard thing for people to understand, especially in a day and age where, you know, um, women just want to stand up and be heard and, you know, women's rights. And there's so many, like, there's so many complicated layers. But for me, that is almost comforting to know. Okay. Cause on one hand, like, okay, God, I've kind of given up my right. Like, you know, what is it that you want me to do? First of all, I think we need to remember again that God's not a jerk. And so he's not like going to ask me to do something for my life that I'm actually going to hate. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. And so, I mean, because like I have four kids, I would never actually want my children to you know, do something forever that I know that they would detest at their core, it wouldn't be a good representation of Christ. So he's not going to ask them that. So um, I know that I said, okay, God, you know, my life is yours. What do you want me to do? So he's not going to give me a crap job for the rest of my life, number one. Um, and so I, I, it actually brings me comfort to know that he's kind of in the driving seat. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because otherwise, I feel like it's pressure on me to try to have to figure stuff out. And so it's so much easier for me to go, okay, God, I don't know what you're up to here. And I don't know what it is that you're wanting me to do, but I believe that you do. And until I get some direction, like, I'm just going to stay here. Um, and, you know, you open the doors where they're supposed to be open and let doors are supposed to be shut, shut those as well. But I think some women stop right there. And, um, and so often they'll have stuff come to them and they'll be like, okay, I'm just going to keep praying about it. Okay, I'm just going to keep praying about it. Mm. And I think that that's lovely and prayer is so important. Like it's so important. But God cannot work with women who are not in some sort of movement. Like you just, you can't steer a parked car. And right. so I think we forget that if like, if we have a lot, let's say we have a woman that's listening who maybe she has a couple options for just starting a little side job or something. Let's just say that because that's what I know. And she is really good at baking cupcakes, but she's also good at making earrings. And she's also really good at painting furniture. And she's like, well, what should I do, Lord? So she does not. And five years go by and the van needs new tires on it. And their family hasn't taken a family vacation. And she's still asking God, well, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Well, sis, I would encourage you to step out in faith in the one that excites you the most and that you feel like you've got the go ahead on. And if you are wrong, I promise you, God will back that bus up. Like he's not going to just let you continue headed toward the edge. I don't think unless you're just absolutely like so bullheaded about it, but literally just starting down the path of something I think is so key to getting to having, it's like, 
Lord, I trust you enough to trust you on this journey. And if I'm headed down the wrong direction, like navigate this vehicle, please. And he does that. He's a good God. But you just can't sit in your prayer room for all of your life and keep praying about, you know, what you want to do and what you're hoping God's going to do. And never, I don't think, because faith without works is dead. And I, and I think that we need to remember that God needs for us to be in motion. We are never stagnant. We are either always like backsliding or growing in our faith with the Lord. It's one of the two. And so we've got to remember that about our life too. Our, you know, we're not really stagnant. Um, we're either kind of backsliding and stuck <laughs> or, or we're making some forward progress. And so um, I hope I answered that question well. That is so good. That is so good. You know, I think I think you're so right. We can get so paralyzed and so fearful that we're going to do the wrong thing. And I, I, I know for there have been seasons in my life, especially as a young younger Christian woman, where I sort of felt like God's will was this tightrope, and you know, one wrong move, and I was going to miss it. And but I had a pastor say something that really set me free. He said, "You know, I've learned that God's will isn't as narrow." and difficult as I've made it. Instead, he said, he said, it's a four lane highway with 15 foot concrete walls and you have to climb over those walls to get out of it. Oh my gosh. Okay. So let me tell you in the book, um, I call it the bumper rails. That's amazing. I've never heard that about the four lane highway. That's great. So in the book, I talk about how when our kids were little, we used to take them to the bowling alley and they were horrible bowlers. And you know, it's just absolutely painful for a mother to just watch gutter ball after gutter ball. I mean, please tell me, you know what I'm talking about. After gutter ball after gutter ball. And when they finally like, we went someplace where they had those bumper rails and they would put them up. And I was like, holy smokes, they, you know, they can, it, as long as it's, it keeps going down the rails and just bumps off and eventually gets to where it's supposed to be like, it's amazing. And so I talk about in the book, I think so many of us are so scared. We're so paralyzed with fear that we don't do anything, but God's got bumper rails. And as long mm. as we're kind of staying inside of those things, like sometimes we're praying and asking God for an answer on something he honestly does not care about. And that's mm. going to shock somebody. I, I I think that there are so many things that God's like, well, I don't care, Jen, what is it that you want? Yeah. I mean, if I ask somebody in the Bible that question, I'd have to go back and remember. But um, what is it that you want from me is what he asked. I mean, I, you know, when it comes down to like family vacations, for instance, and I'm like, well, this year, should we go to, we were thinking of New York City on, or we're thinking about the Caribbean. You know, I think that there's sometimes like, if I don't get a real good direction from God, then I'm going to make a decision and just believe that God's in that. Because I think that sometimes he's like, honey, I don't care. What do you want? I mean, right. if we're good parents, don't every once in a while we say to our children, hey, where do you want to eat tonight? What movie do you want to watch? And so many of us are wanting an answer on every single thing from God, forgetting that he has bumper rails. And as long as you stay inside of some of those rails, like some of the decisions, he gives us the free will to choose so often what it is that we want to do. So on one hand, like fear is not the boss of me. God is, right? That's basically what the title means. (laughs) Um, But he's like such a good God that I've got plenty of things that he lets me decide on, on all by my big self. Yeah, because he wants us to mature. He wants he wants us to grow up. And I love Oswald Chambers makes a comment, and I'm not going to say it perfectly, but he just talks about that as we grow in our walk with our Lord and immaturity, we we no longer have to fear missing God's will because we will become God's will. And I think he is just like you say. He's so if we're going the wrong direction, but our hearts are after him. He's going to correct. And I think about Paul where it says, where Paul writes that, um, you know, they wanted to go to Macedonia, but the Holy Spirit closed the door. 
Yep. And another place he says, well, it seemed right to us in the Holy Spirit. And I, I find that so comforting because sometimes it's not super clear, but it seems right. Yeah. But you can't stay stuck. Yeah. That's it. I love that. And there's someone out there that needs needs to hear that today. Yeah. The first line of the book is being stuck stinks. <laughs> so true. So true. I know the Lord has really, you know, as I've just been trying to walk this walk and I call it trying all of my Joanna hacks, you know, to try to get myself unstuck and, and just to be obedient. You know, I've just reminded myself even your heart's after the Lord, Joanna. You know, there, there isn't, there isn't a disobedience. I just can't seem to find the way right now, but I'm not. And these are the words God gave me several years ago. He just said, Joanna, you're not going to miss it and you're not going to mess it up. Oh, that's so good. And if we can just, just hold his hand and even, even in that place where we're fearing, feeling so fearful, just be willing to let him draw us, draw us out. Um, this book is, I just feel like there's so many women out there that, you know, whether you feel a heart to start a business or, you know, you're kind of stuck, it just ministers on so, so many levels. And I love how real you are. And there's just some wonderful, wonderful, uh, just little one-liners that I are, I'm going to write them down and refer to them myself because you're, it's really blessed me. Hey, I quoted Shrek in this book, so <laughs> <laughs> yes, the the experts. I love it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but thank you for saying that because it's it's not a business book. It is, you know, for if a woman is in business, she'll love it. But it's really just a book for any woman who has either been um, who has been or is stuck or completely overwhelmed with indecision or paralyzed with fear. Those are the three women that I wrote the book for. Mm-hmm. I love that. Well, one of the things I love about your podcast, and you guys, you've got to be sure and find the Jennifer Allwood show and listen. Uh, each each week you have what's called Monday Fire, and I I just love those. I listen to them every week. And um, But one of the things you do is you pray. And I would just be so honored if you would pray over the girls that are listening today. I would absolutely love to. Well, Father God, I just thank you so much for this time together today, Lord. I just pray a special blessing over um, Joanna and just her obedience to put out into the world what you're asking her to. And I thank you for all of the women who are listening, who are just chasing after you, Father God. And thank you for the internet that we're able to like record a podcast and get this out into the world. Like what an amazing time to be alive. And so, Lord, I just pray today that for both Joanna and every woman that's listening, and I pray for myself too, Lord. I pray that we would hear your voice, Father God, over every other voice. I pray, Lord, that we would walk closely enough with you that we could discern what it is that you want us to do on the side of heaven. Lord, I pray that we would be near you and that you would be near us, Father God. I pray that this book would go into the hands of every single woman who would need it, not so that my name can be known, but so that your name can be yes. known on the side of heaven, Father God. And so, Lord, I just thank you in advance for what you're doing through your girls here on the earth. Lord, I thank you that you are just assembling an army. Lord, your word says that a throng of um, mighty women, and I just thank you for the mighty women who are assembling, Lord, and who are announcing your word. And so, Father God, as we close here today, 
I just pray that this podcast would go even further than what Joanna thinks that it would. I pray mm-hmm. over her book, Lord, that you would give her clarity and insight and dreams and visions in the nighttime. Lord, let her even just wake up in the middle of the night and have to write those down or save them in her phone, Lord. But I pray, Father God, that she would sense your nearness and your absolute delight in her. And I pray it for every woman listening in Jesus' holy name. Amen. 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 Thank you for being with us, Jennifer. Thanks so much for having me. I've really been encouraged by Jennifer Allwood's ministry. You can find links to Jennifer's new book as well as her awesome podcast, The Jennifer Allwood Show. She offers great entrepreneurial advice, but each week on her Monday Fire episode, she gives everyone a big dose of Jesus. (laughs) Hey, if you haven't yet downloaded your free copy of the Be Still devotional, I hope you'll sign up for it. You can find the link over at the show notes, joannaweaverbooks.com forward slash 031. And hey, I was kind of inspired by Jennifer's Monday Fires, and so I started doing Facebook Lives on Monday. I'm calling it One Thing Monday, where we focus on one thing for one week with the help of our God for amazing breakthroughs. And there's been a lot of wonderful feedback. You can find it on Facebook. Just search for at Joanna Weaver Books, but also I've uploaded them to IGTV over on Instagram and the videos are also available on YouTube. Well, listen, you guys, until next time, remember, fear's not the boss of you. God is. And he has everything you need to help you live fearlessly in this fear-filled world. Calming our hearts strengthening our souls so that you and I can live and love and lead like Jesus. I love you, you guys. God bless.